Hey, welcome to Week in Bite. I'm Daniel Snyder, and as our very own Kim Khan called it last week's Catalyst Watch, all eyes were on the Fed this week. We went from expecting a 50 basis point hike on Friday to 75 on Monday. We're gonna get his take on what that means for the market later on in our Catalyst Watch segment this week. But first, I want to introduce our first guest, or our, our headline guest, I should say, of the episode and get his take on what the biggest hike in rates since 1994 means for the job market going forward. Joining us is Nick Bunker, Head of Research North America at Indeed.com. Nick, it's always great to have you on the program. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, so we're, we're going to, I mean, where to start, right? But we're seeing companies like Redfin and Compass and Coinbase and all these other tech companies starting to lay off employees. And then you also had Elon Musk come out with his warnings for Tesla and what he thinks is coming for the economy. So I wanted to start by asking you, what is your take on how this rate hike will affect the labor market? And should we be expecting more layoffs in the future? So I think, you know, first on that point about sort of what we've seen already um, in the labor market, I think it's really important to distinguish between what we're seeing in, say, the tech sector, um, or sort of the interaction of tech and um, the housing market and sort of the labor market writ large. Um, in tech, there is, you know, some, you know, at least compared to a few months ago, some relative weakness, some pullback in hiring intentions. And we're seeing that indeed in our job postings data that postings for software development jobs have pulled back a little bit. And in fact, that decline seems to have accelerated over the last week. That being said, you know, overall demand is quite strong for those positions. It just seems like there's a pullback. Um, but when you look at the broader economy, things are a little bit stronger there. Um, there may be you know, big announcements of layoffs and some tech-related companies. But if you look at, say, UI claims data or data from Jobs Report or Jolts, um, layoffs are still quite low. Uh, they may have ticked up a little bit in recent weeks, but they're at levels that, you know, if three years ago you had said, hey, it's 220, 230,000 uh, claims in a week, you would have thought, hey, that's still a pretty healthy labor market. I wanted to ask you, though, I was going to save it for later, but since you were talking about it, I mean, we had, what was it, 1.9 jobs for every one unemployed person, and we were kind of focusing on that metric for a while. Is that still the case? Are we seeing a reduction in the amount of jobs available for unemployed, or is that increasing, possibly? Yeah, so I, I think the latest data that we have uh, from the government, so from JOLTS, where that statistic comes from, it is 1.9, um, and, you know, 1.9 is the original read that we got back in March, but they actually revised up those job openings numbers. So it was actually about two to one back in March. So it's drifted down a little bit. Um, and you know what Indeed data has shown since that, you know, the end of April, the latest day that we have government data for, that job postings in general have sort of leveled off. So at least on the, you know, so when it comes to the numerator there, uh, you know, openings are still strong um, and unemployment has held relatively steady. So it still looks like it's in, somewhere in that ball ballpark. Um, that being said, even if that number drifts down a little bit, it's still going to be much higher than the ratio we saw back in late 2019, early 2020, where it was about 1.2, 1.3. So I think, you know, broadly what we're seeing in the labor market right now is a bit of cooling, uh, a little bit of easing, but that's coming from a very hot, very tight labor market. Um, and if things do cool down, um, they could still be pretty hot, especially compared to what we're seeing before the pandemic. I can't help but wonder, do you think that when, you know, Powell comes out, tells everybody the economy is strong, the economy is strong, this has to be probably one of those metrics that he's looking at, right? Because I, I think about how long it takes to get through processes 
within companies to open those job openings, but also, I mean, they can take them off the market overnight. So are they waiting for that pullback to be like, okay, we're starting to get a little bit of that cooling that we want to see? So that has been a statistic that Powell has mentioned in the past. I think, you know, before this meeting that we had this week, you know, two meetings before, that number popped up a lot. Um, I don't think he specifically mentioned that ratio this meeting. And I think that is interesting in light of what we also saw from the unemployment rate projections in this summary of economic projections that FOMC members release um, at these quarterly meetings. Um, and what we saw there is that they are seeing unemployment not only be higher than what they were projecting back in March, but that unemployment is, at least in their projections, looking like it's going to be rising over the next couple of years. So I think in some ways, their argument of, okay, we'd like to get this ratio to go down, but really only by decreasing job openings. Now they're projecting that unemployment is going to tick up a little bit so that you know both the openings going down and the unemployment going up is sort of how they're seeing the labor market ease moving forward. So I'm trying to think how this translates to, to the actual market, right? We're talking about, you kind of just answered my question, right? They're expecting um, unemployment to increase. I think it was the median participant sees the unemployment rate at the end of 2024 at 4.1%, where prior it was 36 is what they announced. So they're, they're looking for more layoffs to come down the road. Obviously, that, that's going to say something about the companies that are laying off these people. Are, are we considering that to be heavy in the tech sector? Do we have any idea of where that might be coming from? Because if we're talking about healthcare, that's a little worrisome. Yeah. So I think, you know, from the Fed's point of view, what they would like to see, and in fact, what was in some ways, I think was sort of the core of an argument of a, a speech before the meeting from Governor Waller, was that, you know, there's you can think about the unemployment rate raising broadly, either through increased layoffs or just a slowdown in hiring. Um, and I think what Waller laid out and seems seems to be, you know, the view of many people on the FOMC is that this idea that they can get unemployment to slowly drift upward by reducing the rate of hiring, that like sort of the job finding rate slows down a little bit, and that means the unemployment rate um, could ease up a little bit without lots of layoffs. I think the concern there is being that layoffs are a sign of really strong decline in demand for workers. And that's going to be what would see you tip over into a recession. Um, so I think that is something to keep an eye on, in, especially in light of what we're seeing in these job, uh, these unemployment projections from the FOMC is, you know, is this layoff driven rise in unemployment or is this a relatively more benign increase that's just from fewer people finding jobs. The question as to like what sectors are driving these, um, I, I think that you know, one place to look is at those interest rate sensitive sectors um, like construction, um, manufacturing, um, and potentially also some you know, uh, industries that are technically services but really are attached to goods like transportation and warehousing. I think that might be an area to look at. Um, they've been very strong over the course of the pandemic and there's a slowdown there. How much of that is employers shedding workers versus just holding off on adding new ones? So do we think though, I mean, we're in a completely different economy now post COVID, right? We have, you, you put out a really good article recently about remote work, right? And the number of remote jobs that are there now and what companies used to have to pay for one employee, they might be able to get two or three out of potentially, depending on the city, right? So what, what's the uptick on, on remote job openings? Is it still here to stay? Are you seeing declines there? Any insights that you have that you share on that? Yeah, I, I think what 
we've seen in our data and also research that that I and colleague, my colleagues at the, at the hiring lab have done indicate that remote work is here to stay. Uh, now, remote work being you know people who work for a company are in an entirely different city. Um, full disclosure, I'm one of those folks, or people who are you know in a you know the same metro and metro area as their sort of employer, but maybe only come into the office one do one or two days a week. Um, it does look like they are sticking around. So in the US, um, you know, back in 2019, what we could see on in Indeed data is that about two and a half, two point seven percent of job postings advertise some form of remote work. Um, the latest data that we have, you know, on average in May of 2022, it was about nine point four percent. Um, and that's down a little bit from earlier in the year where it was 9.9%. Um, so it, it's looking very elevated and, and looking like it's going to stick around. Now, that being said, it's risen on average, but the sort of dispersion or variance by job sector of where you can sort of the rates of advertisement of remote work are really extreme. Um, at the high end, you have software development jobs, so lots of tech jobs. Um, a little under 39% of those postings you know, directly mention remote or flexible work in their job postings. But then if you look at beauty and wellness, so that's hairdressers, uh, nail technicians, um, those are about a half of a percentage point. Um, so it does look like it's here to stay, uh, but the kinds of jobs it's sticking around for, um, it's a relatively small sector of the economy or you know a more segmented part of the labor market that's not necessarily accessible to everyone. Yeah, no, that's a really great point because you think about all those service-based jobs, right? Where you have to go to work at the hotel, you have to go to work at the restaurant. So it seems like we're going to have a little bit of a divide there. I'm wondering though, is is a lot of this fueled because of the amount of liquidity in the system? And as the Fed now is embarking on this journey of removing liquidity, and um, I think it was the Swiss, Na Swiss National Bank came out with surprise rates. Like a lot of central bank central banks are trying to pull liquidity out of the system. Which you know, if a company hasn't already stocked up their cash going forward, I mean, they're going to be paying higher interest rates to, to borrow capital. So I, I, is that where the domino starts to fall, do you think? Is the liquidity going to lead to the potential? I mean, this is, of course, if we're talking about going into recession, right? If that's the domino that we need to watch to say, okay, liquidity is coming out. They can't hire and pay for these people anymore, like we're probably seeing from Redfin then is that the domino that falls that leads to the recession that we're talking about versus the opposite side of it being like, no, we're just opening a lot more jobs. That's why the unemployment rate is rising. And maybe people that retired can come back to work and help fill those jobs. Yeah. So I think that is something that we'll definitely be eagerly watching when it comes to our data, um, is that whether we're going to see a significant pullback in job postings, um, that is what we what we saw back in spring of 2020 in our data was like a really sudden pullback in job postings. You know, hopefully we won't see, you know, when the next recession happens, hopefully it's uh, caused by a very different reason and it's much slower. Um, it doesn't happen sort of within a week. Um, but that, you know, this is something that if you do see employers become more pessimistic about demands for their goods or services moving forward, they're going to pull back on their hiring intentions. Um, and I think that is something that could be a signal of, you know, potential rises in the unemployment rate, um, which would then you know, signal that we are in or on the precipice of a recession. Um, one thing that we look at is not only just the total stock of job postings on our site, but new postings. That's job postings that have been added to the site um, in the past week or so. Um, that's an indication of sort of the pace at which employers are adding 
postings to the site. So new fresh demand, that's one way you can think about it. Um, and those numbers are still really healthy. Um, they are, you know, down a little bit from, you know, very, very high levels, you know, it's sort of the all time highs in our, our series uh, back in February, January, um, but they're still quite strong. So it does look like in the data right now, employers are still increasingly adding postings to Indeed, um, suggesting that demand stays robust, but that could change. And that's something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on. Now, speaking about the amount of new jobs being posted as well, I wanted to ask you about what you're seeing in regards to wages, right? Because, you know, Powell and the Fed, they come out and say, we're not seeing a wage inflation spiral. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing a continual increase in wages? Because part of us want to believe that as you continue to increase wages over here, inflation is going to go up over here because we're trying to find that balance. So I think, you know, from the wage data that we have so far, be it the average hourly earnings data from the, the jobs report from the Atlanta Fed's wage growth tracker. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit out of date now, but the employment cost index data from BLS, they're all pointing towards wages that are leveling off or maybe even declining a little bit. So that wages are still growing, uh, they're just not accelerating. And well, again, if they're not accelerating, but the wage growth is still very elevated. So I don't take that as an indication of, you know, necessarily a wage price spiral, um, but rather that the labor market has continues to be quite tight, um, but it's no longer further tightening. Um, the temperature is no longer rising. So that, you know, wage growth is still healthy, uh, sorry, or, or very high, uh, but it's not, you know, adding more pressure to inflation uh, than it was, you know, a couple months ago. So I think the signs are there that, you know, wage pressures remain, but they don't, they aren't getting more intense, which I think, um, you know, signals that we're not seeing a spiral in wages, even if, you know, um, some employers are um, feeling those cost constraints when it comes for higher wages. Gotcha. And give us the one thing. What what are you personally looking at, say, within the next month or two? What is the big thing from your side of watching employment reports and unemployment and everything that we should be watching as investors? Yeah, we've, we've touched on it a few times, but I'm going to be very focused on what we're seeing in terms of measures of layoffs. Um, so what, uh, you know, Jolts has the layoffs and discharge data. The uh, jobs report has measures of people moving from employment to unemployment or not in the labor force. I think those are really key statistics to look at, uh, especially as we have a central bank that is seeing and wants to have the unemployment rate sort of slowly drift up over the next couple of years. Yeah, really great point. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there, Nick. Really appreciate all your insights and your data. That's always a great, uh, sorry, it's always great to have you on the program. You have a great weekend, okay? Awesome, same to you. Thanks for having me. And that is Nick Bunker, Head of Research North America at Indeed.com. You can find him on Twitter as well as Hiring Lab. Go check out his content. It is phenomenal. Highly recommend it. Now over to Seeking Alpha's Kim Khan for next week's Catalyst Watch. Hey, Kim. Hey, Daniel. Um, first, I want to kind of say a mea culpa to you and to the viewers for my last week's prediction that there's no way there would be a 75 basis point hike. Um, of course, there was this... To be fair, it was before the CPI never came out, but I should really realize you should never say never with this Fed and this inflation situation. But next week, we've got more coming on that. Um, uh, Fed Chairman Powell will be speaking on Capitol Hill. Um, usually don't get great headlines than that. It's normally one party trying to get Powell to say the other party is at fault for whatever economic problem. But you've also got the Fed speakers out on the road doing speeches. Um, you know, one... 
of the, you know, most interesting things would be if um, they can get um, Kansas City Fed presidents um, take take on why she was a dissenter, Esther George, and um, you know she's usually already pretty hawkish. So that was a very interesting vote on her part to go with fifty basis points. Also, and kind of on a little downer note, we've got the World Health Organization meeting on monkeypox and whether to declare it a medical emergency situation. Cases are building in the United States, and it's just one more thing that a nervous market doesn't need. Yeah, great point. I do want to ask you, though, I mean, look, nobody could have known on Friday, right? I, we even put up the graphic of the, the Fed prediction, and everybody was in the camp for a 50 basis point hike. And then, of course, we come in Monday morning this week, and 75 is all anybody wants to talk about. And then the throwing out talks about increasing the QT levels. Um, just kind of curious, I mean, what is your take on what this 75 basis points is going to mean for the market moving forward? Well, I mean, it looks like Cowell is committed to front-loading um, these rate hikes. He said there's a choice between 50 and 75 next month. Um, the market is is pricing a little more 50 than it was before, but not too much. They still think he's going to be aggressive in champing down inflation. I think that what bonds market is telling us with yields is that things are going up pretty strongly, but then um, we've had an you know, inversion with the 10s, 30s that they're worried that this hard landing is already baked in. Um, for me, the most interesting thing in Powell's press conference was him bringing up how concerned he was about inflation expectations and how he wants to have them anchored around 2%. And those are not just market inflation expectations. He was referring to consumer inflation expectations and how he wants to get those down. A that's a lot, lot different from you know, the data-dependent Fed that's, that they've been talking about. And, you know, it's that's a sentiment reading, really. And, you know, so the Fed is, you know, really going to battle inflation. They're looking at headline CPI and, and everybody wants to say, oh, the core PCE index is the Fed's favorite gauge. Now it's going to be headline CPI they're going to be looking at. And if that doesn't come down, then we're looking at a really tough Fed. Yeah, it seems like they have to be tough. I mean, we're going into the summer months here as well in the States, and it's just like the demand is nonstop, right? P potentially, it used to be that people were going to take vacation after vacation. Maybe they had a couple lined up. Now they're kind of seeing, oh, you know, sticker shock on airline prices, and they might just have the one vacation, but they're still taking vacations. And as we've been talking about, oil is out of control, and they can't really control that. So it seems like they're going to have to remain on the hawkish side, right? Definitely. I mean, Powell is very clear that there's not much, there's nothing they can really do about energy prices. Um, there's not much they can do on the food side. I think the biggest concern is inflation shifting from goods, which was has always been a supply chain problem. If you look at the auto um, industry now, there's still like, you know, inflation in used cars is still a supply chain problem. Chips are a problem. But if that shifts to services and then, you know, with the demand that, that continues, then, you know, that inflation becomes a lot more stubborn. It sticks around longer. And the Fed, you know, you're talking like tougher for longer, higher for longer. And then that's when the big stagflation part, you know, talk starts to, to come about because, you know, you know, it's starting to have an impact on growth already. If you look at like, you know, Atlanta Fed GDP predictions, they're looking at no growth next quarter. So. Zero percent. Yeah, I just yeah. saw that release. I mean, it's incredible. We also had an interview this week with Alfonso Pecatilio, and he was breaking down about the inflation moving into the different sectors. And also, I just saw, um, I believe it was this morning, uh, Kroger came out. So typical basket size continues to, de to decline. It says customers are aggressively swapping to store brands. The pinch is real. 
It is. And, and you know, and companies are a lot of companies are having a, a hard time. They, they, they'd stocked up on a lot of items that they expected to continue to the people would need and post pandemic. Then they found themselves kind of wrong footed. That's had the, you know, had them liquidate some inventory and then you know, it becomes much tougher for them to push on, you know, price heights to customers as inflation persists. Yeah. Thank you so much for your take, Kim. Obviously, always appreciate the Catalyst Watch. We'll keep an eye out and we'll see you again next week. All right. Thanks, Daniel. See you. All right, everyone. And that wraps it up for this week's episode. Of course, we'll see you again next week. But first, be safe out there. Have a great weekend. All right. See you next time.